Hello and welcome to Emerge, Evolve, Lead, a podcast for people in recovery from addiction who want to be better leaders. I got clean and sober when I was 24, and then I started my corporate career. After several decades, I left that job and created Emerge Leadership Academy, where I train leaders and coach people in recovery who are ready to step up in their career. My name is Maureen Rosgem, and I'll be your host. I'm doing a solo episode today to welcome you to the new year 2023. Woohoo! I'd like to remind you that you are in charge of your life and your mindset. So I'm going to share a tool for helping you shift your beliefs to empower you more fully in the new year. No resolutions since we've proven that they do not work. I'll give you an understanding of how to create an empowering model of the world and a three-step process I call the triad to make sure you reach your goals. First though, I have a few announcements to make regarding my own goals and intentions for the year, and I want you to know what's going on with me. So I'm going to start with that. I had been doing a lot of training leading up to the pandemic helping individual managers and leadership teams to better understand like their innate strengths and competencies and their challenge points when it comes to influencing people and especially their people to get better at their job, developing people on the team. So I was teaching frequently, like a lot of classes, leadership skills, communication skills, emotional intelligence, time management, how to deal with conflict, how to train new employees, and how to manage their performance. I loved it. I really do love this work. But all of that work I did was for someone else's clients. You see, I was a contractor for another training company. So when I came to like selling my book or offering my coaching programs, I couldn't do any of that because they were not my clients. I trained over 2,500 people, managers, leaders from over 150 companies in the five years leading up to the pandemic. I counted those companies recently. So I know it was like 153 or something. And although I was building my coaching and speaking business on the side and making money on training, I felt limited. I did not feel empowered because I was in front of so many people. I couldn't really share the full extent of who I was and what I offered. So when the pandemic hit and all the training classes canceled and the speaking conferences canceled, I did what most entrepreneurs did. I made a pivot in my business. And I'm going to tell you about that pivot, but I also made the decision never to go back to working for somebody else. So I took my coaching program and I turned it into an online course called Recovery at Work, which I'm really proud of. And I started this Emerge Evolve Lead podcast. And I began looking for my own business clients where I could make an impact with my training programs uh, virtually. I loved this work of coaching individuals, podcasting, virtual training. I also spoke over 40 times last year on other people's podcasts and virtual stages. So having done this for several years now, 2021 and 2022, I you know, really learned so much and it's been rewarding in a lot of ways. And I've learned a lot, but I also feel like I'm just spreading myself too thin. You know, speaking, coaching, podcasting, writing, and training is too thin. Okay. So my word for 2023 is 
focus. And since it's a new year, I'm going to make some changes in my business and I'm going to get back to offering more training and coaching to business leadership teams, which means something has to give. And I'm sorry to say it's going to be the podcast, at least for a time. I'll reevaluate if I want to start it again in the future. Right now I say, yes, yes, I'm going to do it, but I don't know yet. So I wanted to give you that news. I'm also going to pull back on speaking commitments so I can put more time into training and coaching in the business world. Here's why. I believe that most middle managers are screaming for more help with specifically understanding their people, balancing life and work, taking care of themselves so they don't get overwhelmed and burnt out. And I can help with that. When leaders are overwhelmed, overworked and burnt out, everyone who works for them or lives with them suffers. (laughs) I can help with that. Not only do the leaders and their people struggle, but the company doesn't benefit either. This is the biggest reason for the great resignation. People are just not putting up with horrible bosses anymore. And when bosses are destructive and even narcissistic, only thinking of themselves, it creates a toxic environment and it can trigger a lot of trauma in people in the workplace. Maybe you've experienced this. And some people, they don't have the choice to quit or, you know, resign. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend that you listen to episode 95, Understanding Destructive Leadership with Karen Purim Lippman, and you'll get an earful on how this really is sort of an epidemic within the pandemic. And I want to help many people are struggling with mental health issues in the workplace. And some of that is exacerbated by poor management. And there are some leaders who are also dealing with their own mental health issues. And I feel passionately about helping this population. Those of us that are in recovery, we know that we need to put our sobriety first, but we also know how to listen with compassion and empathy, not take things personally, draw pretty good boundaries, at least some of us do. Uh, We also know how to reach out for help when we need it and surround ourselves with a caring, loving support system most of the time, right? Um, But in any case, I, I know I can make a difference and help companies create a better culture for their workforce and supply managers who don't have a recovery program to equip them with the tools that they need to be great leaders or better leaders so that they can better support their people at work. And then everyone can do a better job and everyone wins. I mean, our work lives are such a huge part of what we do in the world and how we can really enjoy our sobriety. So I will continue to offer individual coaching to executives who are already in their roles as top leaders, but may be struggling with the disease of alcoholism and addiction. Perhaps you know how it was when you first wanted to get clean, but were afraid of other people finding out and judging you. Uh, they, you know, these, some of these people, they want to stay anonymous and won't even go to meetings because they're in high level leadership positions, but I can help and bring balance and recovery into, uh, executives and leaders lives who want recovery. And I can help people in recovery step more fully into leadership. So if you know of anyone who can use my help in recovery and leadership, 
people who are in um, or maybe even just high achievers and they who want a transformation, please keep me in mind as someone who can help. You can always find me at emergeleadershipacademy.com or email me at maureen at emergeleadershipacademy.com. Okay, now let's get into what I think is the amazing content I'm going to share with you today so that you can develop a more empowering model of the world and choose the meaning of the reality that you live in so that you can respond instead of react. By now, you have realized one of the things we cannot do is control circumstances. We think we can, but we really can't. And a lot of the sources of frustration that most people have are born out of their desire or their willingness to try and control circumstances. We need to accept that things outside of our control often do not fit our model of the world. And so I'm suggesting here that you can change your model of the world. Not only can we not control our circumstances, but this also applies to people. If you want to fast track to unhappiness, try and get somebody else to act in accordance with how you feel that they should act. <laughs> and that works both ways, right? When other people put expectations on us, it doesn't feel so good. And we resist because maybe it doesn't fit within the model of my world or what I think is right or necessary. I don't want people trying to control me. So when looking at different models of the world, I have found that there is an inherent unconscious question that drives our focus consistently or continuously. And when we, well, tend to ask this of ourselves unconsciously, it happens many times a day. In other words, we might not even be conscious that we're asking ourselves the same question or we have the same focus. But once we discover what our primary question is, and it's different for everybody, it can be quite liberating because it helps to make sense of the path that we have walked in the past and everything falls into place and we can make sense of it. Like, why do we drink or use drugs? Like, what were we trying to escape? Was it emotional pain, physical pain, psychological or mental pain? And once we learn how to feel our pain and live with it without using, we develop a new primary focus. Is it how much can I accomplish? Is it what am I going to do with my life? Is it how can I be certain and safe in my recovery? Maybe it's how many people can I help? It's different for everyone, but it is a driver of all that you do and guides the decisions that you make. A lot of our most deeply ingrained beliefs and aspects of how we see the world are formed through, well, significant emotional events. Maybe we experienced trauma in our family growing up, or it could be something that we witnessed, or maybe it's a spiritual experience that we had but it changes how we see the world. We also have different fears and we have different values that add a different perspective to our experience and beliefs. So what I'm trying to say here is that these events from our past are often stuck in our unconscious mind, telling us what should be our primary focus. And it drives us without us even knowing it. I'm sure it's not the first time you heard this, but I want to reinforce that we have total ability to be able to change that. 
And once you can change a belief or this rule, whatever that is that you have about something, then everything else can change, meaning your situations and your drivers or your focus, what you focus on. So, you know, maybe I'll say it this way. We all have our own stories and a lot of us are a little bit too eager to hide behind the validation of our story to justify why we shouldn't take charge of our own model of the world. Okay, so significant emotional events, our parents and peer group pressure are a huge influence in our model of the world. And when we're growing up and trying to get the approval of the people around us, then we pretend, you know, we do that a lot, right? When we're growing up. And then we pretend that we don't care as we dive into our addiction and start spiraling down in our lives. But this, all of it, all of you, all of what's happened so far plays a huge part in how we see the world. So then after we get clean and sober and the desire to use leaves us, we can feel so empowered. I know I did. And then we experience gratitude as we learn to forgive ourselves and forgive others. And, and if you followed a 12 step program, you know, well, we learned about honesty, hope, faith, courage, integrity, willingness, discipline, humility, uh, perseverance, spirituality, and service and giving back, right? Contribution is so important. But personal growth is a big driver for those of us in recovery. And through this change, we changed many of our beliefs and perhaps some of our model of the world changed. But after a while, sometimes the reality of life sets back in and we need to continue to deal with all of our problems and our circumstances and situations. And oftentimes the unconscious primary focus sucks us back into our old way of thinking. Has this happened to you? I've been sober 38 years and, you know, I've kind of been up and down, but it's been a constant, you know, you take two steps forward and one step back, as they say, you know, it's a constant vigilant process to make sure that we don't let the old alcoholic take charge again. Okay. So here is the tool I want to share with you about how to change your rules or beliefs. I use those two words interchangeably. Beliefs are kind of like rules that you have for yourself. Beliefs are simply thoughts that you think over and over again, and they can be changed. But to change them in your unconscious mind, um, that's how you can really shift your model of the world, your mindset, and your primary driver. So first, you just have to decide, what is it that you want to change? What's not working for you anymore? Is it your health? Maybe your finances, your career, your relationship, your self-esteem? I mean, pick a goal. So you've got to set that goal. And I'm going to go through the the triad and share a couple of different examples. They may not be your goal, but you apply these to your goal. So the triad um, method comes in three steps. First is you, you have to think about your physiology. What do you do with your body? 
The second is the language that you use and the things that you say to yourself in your mind. And the third is to focus on the beliefs that you have. So I call this the triads and here triad and here's how you use it. Um, okay. So let's say your goal is to lose weight and get into better physical health this year. I know it's one of my goals. So first look at how you're holding yourself and using your body and your physiology. Uh, are you sitting and resting a lot, eating unhealthy foods? Second, how are your thoughts on the topic? Are you constantly calling yourself names and chastising yourself for your bad habits? And, or, you know, are your thoughts punishing and demeaning when it comes to your body? And finally, what do you believe about your health and your body? Are you thinking, well, I come from a family with bad genes. Everyone in my family is fat. Or in order for me to feel healthy, I need to be able to run for an hour. Like this is a rule that will keep you from feeling healthy unless you achieve it. Or maybe you say until the scale says a certain weight, I won't feel good. This is a belief. This is a belief and it does not serve you and you can change it. So those are some of the negative ways to use the triad or how you might've been using it in the past. So now the positive example. So the first part of the triads, physiology. You have to ask yourself, how would I feel if I was in better physical health? I would feel more energy. I would stand up straighter. I would be more active. I would exercise and eat better because that's what healthy people do. Well, then you simply start acting that way. You hold your body in the way that you would if you were really healthy. Anytime you want to step into a new identity, and your new identity in this case would be a healthy person, what, what, you know, how would it be if you were super healthy? What would you do with your body? So remember that old saying, fake it till you make it? It works here too. You start acting the way you would if you were already healthy. If my goal is to be, I'm going to use a different example here, say a better public speaker, I would start acting more confident and start speaking more because that is why or how I would use my body or how I would know that my body would feel if I was a better speaker. Does that make sense? <laughs> so the second part of the triad, what are you saying to yourself? Are you saying positive reinforcement ideas and thoughts? And whenever you hear the old voice playing the old tapes, you say no, and you change it to a better thought. I'm doing great. It's okay. If I can't make a mile today, I got out there and I exercised. I can do this. I know I have a healthy body inside here, and I'm going to use my mind and heart to make it better. I'm so excited and thrilled with my awesome self that I'm doing this and I'm not going to give up. This is the kind of talk that you, you know, I want to do with myself and you want to do with yourself, whatever it is your goal. You don't want to keep demeaning yourself. You don't want to keep saying things like, I hate my body or I hate my thighs or you know, my belly or whatever it is. You need to be more gentle and more encouraging in your thoughts. The third part of the triad is reforming your rules and beliefs 
about your mindset or your view of what you're capable of. So when you feel yourself wanting to give in, like say to the old sugar addiction, you remind yourself that you're healthy and you remind yourself why you want to be healthy. Of course, your why is super important. And if you were to keep giving in, you know that nothing's going to change. And you, you know, make up these new rules about what success is in the area that you're looking for. I am successful if I get up and walk today, if I stay sober today, if I make progress on my goals today. Baby steps is all you're looking for. Baby steps are success. Okay. Doesn't mean you have to have some rule that unless some awesome thing happens or unless the scale goes down two pounds this week that you're not successful, or if it goes up that you're not successful, you have to be able to reframe and redecide what beliefs are going to be working for you. All right. So let's uh, look at the public speaking example. If you're still thinking from the old perspective you're probably focusing on all the disempowering emotions that you think you'll feel embarrassed or not good enough or judged or maybe ridiculed. And from a focus and belief standpoint, you might be focusing on the fact that the audience may laugh when you didn't expect them to, or you're focusing on the fact that you're going to get stage fright and you don't know what to say and you'll just clam up and you believe that you can't speak in public and therefore you're not going to. Now, that triad I just explained is still a triad, but it's the perfect triad if you never want to be a public speaker. But what if you're able to say, okay, I'm going to create a triad for being a world-class public speaker. What would that look like? Hey, what would the physiology be? You'd be standing tall. You'd be confident. You'd be breathing calm and deeply. Your language would be wow, I'm going to be able to speak to these people in a way that serves them at the highest level. I'm going to share with these people things that I, well, that I believe in a way that I know will empower them. Yeah. So what's your focus? Is your focus on stage fright and being judged? Or is your focus on how can I add value? How can I serve here? How can I not even care if they believe or like what I'm saying? but I'm going to be able to say it anyway, because I believe it. And I want to be able to empower them with it. And what if you believe that you're just a channel for God, that it's not really you that's speaking, but you're going to go get up there and just allow whatever flows through you to serve these people. And it's not about you. Can you see how that would be a very different triad to the first one I mentioned? Okay. So whenever I'm working on a new goal or whatever the challenge, I say to myself, I will win. You see, I've embedded this triad of certainty and success within myself. And then whatever the challenge, I see a picture of me standing victorious, having accomplished what stands before me. I allow myself to feel invincible. I feel special. I remind myself that I am a miracle and I've chosen to lead. Okay. This makes me feel a lot more confident. And I use this strategy whenever I need to feel more certain about something. 
I have that level of being able to draw upon a state of certainty, regardless of my external circumstances, because I built a triad that continually supported me and I ingrained it into who I am. So the triad can become a primary tool. Um, It can, it is possible to take charge of your model of the world. And if you don't, I guarantee you, you will always be at the mercy of your environment. You know, I remember those days when I used to say, oh, it's raining out. I feel yucky. It's BS. We can change. I'm not at the mercy of my environment anymore. It's called the law of conformity, the 95% law. And unfortunately, no matter what statistic you look at, the ma- no matter really what country you're looking at, 95% of people retire at 65 in a disempowered state financially, emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise. And the 5% of the people in the world who own the world, not just materialistically, but from a place of love and connection, growth, contribution, and having their entire model of the world support them in being more fully or fulfilled as each day goes on, regardless of the uncertainties and the winds of change that life brings, like a pandemic or, you know, loss of a client or, you know, even the loss of a loved one, we can still thrive. You see, I encourage you to take the time, question the beliefs that you have that are no longer serving you and look at where some of those come from. Choose some empowering beliefs, break out of the lethargy of old patterns by getting associated to what will it cost you if you don't change another year, just like the last one, (laughs) maybe that's not so bad, you know, but maybe there's some things you don't, or you would like to change in your life, but you know, having an empowering model of the world rarely happens by chance. And as I said earlier, it can always happen by choice. And I challenge you to think of how much better you could invest your time, energy, and focus than on developing a way of interacting with the reality we call life. That'll serve you at a higher level. Remember, we cannot control life, but we can always control how we react and interpret it. I wish you empowering beliefs and much less stress as we go forward into the new year. And if you want help with creating more empowering beliefs and an incredible career in life, check out my Recovery at Work program at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com. Keep working for your dreams and be the best leader you can because your contribution matters. I love you all. Bye for now.